You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Marshes, forests, wetlands. The Florida Everglades are a beautiful place. But be careful. As you traverse the muddy soil, you may begin to hear the sound of an extra, especially heavy set of steps coming from somewhere nearby. Welcome to Camping Horrors, the show where real people send me their scariest camping and hiking stories, and I narrate them. Today's episode features a chilling encounter in the Everglades, an alleged Wendigo sighting, and the disturbing reason one listener will never stay at a certain lodge again. I would love to hear your unsettling camping and hiking stories on the show, so send them to me at darkstories.org. Thank you. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. Panthers, Boas, and the Unknown From Jason R. After retiring, I realized I'd have to find something to do to occupy my time. My wife and I have taken up traveling. She likes to go hiking and camping, which to me as a former soldier is about as much fun as a colonoscopy. But if you're married, you know that if the wife likes hiking, then you're going to be spending a lot of time slathered in bug spray and praying for the sweet release of death. While I await the grave's siren call, I try to make the best of a sweaty and exhausting situation. So I use our trips to go in search of cryptids. I've spent my life researching legends, of which Florida has more than a few. This gave me a reason to be a little bit more positive about our trip. One of the Mrs. Grandpops spent a week in the Everglades, back in the day. It's a big place. Over 2,300 acres worth of swamps, grasslands, and marshes. After he passed away, my wife wanted to do a day-by-day -day recreation of his trip. Now, the Cherokee talk of the Wampus Cat, a supposed six-legged, green-eyed cat with magical powers. What kind of powers, you might ask? Well, it's said to be able to travel faster than the speed of light hypnotize those foolish enough to get too close, and you kind of get the idea. I know a lot about the undiscovered creatures out there, and if you ask me, finding a mutant panther has to have the lowest chances of success imaginable, but probably not as bad as the odds of finding those hairy Wisconsin elves I've heard about. There are legitimate reports dating back to the 1920s and 30s that mention the beasts killing cattle in North Carolina and on down to Georgia. 
As one might expect, these reports were scoffed at and attributed to coyotes or other normal predators. For some reason, the legend of the Wampus Cat seems to revolve around ladyfolk. It's been described as a hybrid between a demonic feline and a woman. In another version of the creature's origin, a woman's husband was driven insane by Yuwa, the spirit of madness. So seeking revenge, she donned her booger mask, and using the fierce spirit of the mountain cat, she defeated the demon and became the protector of her tribe, defender of their lands. This brings me to my hunt for this elusive cryptid at the Everglades National Park. I wanted to make our own version of those Travel Channel Expedition X shows. So the wife and I went walking out in the middle of the night out there, a bit after 8pm I'd say, in search of the Wampus Kitty. The monster goes by other names such as Golly Wampus and Whistling Wampus. My wife found the concept of a whistling cat amusing, so we looked up various big cat roars and calls online. Some are what you'd expect, others are pretty creepy. We found a good one on YouTube and proceeded on our quest. Outside of a couple of spiders and a ton of frogs, and one very hawked-off egret, we didn't find anything. Well, at first. At one point, we decided to be silly, using the audio to document our quest to find the elusive Wampus Kitty. We stumbled around, playing the audio of cougars in heat, pretending like we were being hunted. But that night, the only thing hunting us down to drink our blood were the mosquitoes, I want to preface the next part of my story with a little background about the Everglades. You might have heard that the Everglades have a real problem with invasive species. Some are fairly mundane, such as the walking catfish. Others, however, are monsters in their own right. You see, the Everglades have been overrun by snakes. I'm not talking about copperheads or rat snakes, I'm talking about Burmese pythons. For you non-locals, you might be thinking, ah, no big deal. But you're wrong. The largest Burmese python caught in Florida measured 19 feet. Officials said it set a new world record in length. That's a pretty big deal. Most anyone who slogs through the muck can see all kinds of smaller critters, but they rarely see these elusive snakes. So why am I telling you all this? Simply put, there are tens of thousands of pythons in Florida, and unless you hunt them down, you'll never know they're there. Thousands of lethal predators were watching our every step. The point is, large things call the Everglades home. We didn't see any sign of the Wampus Cat that night. It was muggy, and being tired, we headed back to the hotel to get a much-needed shower and some sleep. The next day, we visited some more of the spots that the wifey's grandfather had visited. We broke for a late lunch that I soon thought I'd be regretting for the rest of my life, but I wasn't about to let my questionable choices in cuisine stop my hunt for Garfield's disgruntled niece. We went back out, this time much farther off the beaten path. We didn't find the wampus cat this time, but we did apparently find something else, Something a little more well-known. Like I said, most people have never heard of the Wampus Cat, but people have heard of Bigfoot and his southern cousin, the Skunk Ape. 
It's this mysterious creature that we think we happened upon. As we wandered through the pine trees and through the muck, we occasionally caught a whiff of stank. Florida does have a healthy skunk population, and my stomach hadn't been performing as advertised, so we wrote it off as being something other than the legendary Esti Kapkaki that is spoken of in Mikosuke legends. When we went out on the trail, the way was unrestricted, and to be honest, kind of boring. We'd seen a statue of the mysterious skunk ape on the way in. They've got a skunk ape headquarters and everything, too. I snapped a shot of all stinker as we drove by, but didn't think too much about it until later. The skunk ape differs from his western relatives. Allegedly, he's a bit smaller, and according to the lead researcher who scoured the swamps in search of him, there are fewer than ten of his kind left in the world. How he managed to determine the population numbers to such a precise level is beyond me. So, different night, same routine. It never occurred to us that something other than a Florida panther, which is extremely rare, might respond to the calls coming from our phones, until something did. Have you ever entered into a dark room and felt something move in front of you? You can tell something is there, because you feel the space left in its wake, or the space it's presently occupying. Now, see, in a room with its linoleum or carpet, you expect it to be quiet. But in the middle of a swamp, that's different. We knew something was there, something moving around silently. Every so often, we caught the slight mushing sound of a foot entering the mud, or the slosh of it coming back out again. But the worst sound of all was the grunt of something exerting itself, or chuffing in frustration. This was worse because that frustration seemed to be directed towards us. My wife is a professional biologist, and I'm an amateur idiot. This wasn't a panther, not a black bear, not a coyote. We thought that if we made enough noise, whatever it was would be spooked off. Naturally, we decided to joke about the sound coming from the most likely cryptid culprit, the skunk ape. Great, I said aloud. I can see it now. Florida man boinked to death by 400-pound swamp monkey. Why is it always Florida man? I was asking the swampy gods of doom. Naturally, they remained mum on the matter. Sadly, the same couldn't be said of my better half. It's not always Florida man, sometimes it's Florida woman. You remember that lady who got arrested for hitting a guy with a burrito? My wife replied. Oh, God, don't mention burritos. Not now, too soon. I nearly threw up. I should say here that there is a consistency to these stories of everything falling silent and people spotting glowing eyes. Now, for my encounters, it's been very different. In this particular case, the only things that matched those other stories were having things thrown at us, the smell and the blind terror. There's not much in the way of boulders in the Everglades, but there are logs. We had to jump over quite a few of them during our hikes. On this night, there was a medium-sized one that gave us particular difficulty. Not finding anything worth filming, we circled back the way we'd came. About five minutes after we'd turned back, I fell into a hole. A hole that wasn't there before. 
There had been a rotting log there before, but it was gone now, and the space it had occupied was filled with mud. It had been pulled out of the ground. More than a bit unnerved, we decided to get the heck out of there as fast as possible. Then it hit us. That smell. It smelled like what most people described. Kind of like rotting plant matter and post-septic tank cleaning body odor. The thing is, it waxed and waned depending on where we were. Whatever was out there, it was moving around. We never got the feeling it was stalking us, though. It was more like we were just random people who had crossed paths occasionally as we walked through a mall. But at some point, it must have thought we were shoplifting, because it tried to introduce what we think was a part of that log I mentioned to my wife's head. It was time to go. She wanted to run, but I threw my hand across her chest to stop her. I knew that if we ran, there was a very good chance we'd be attacked by whatever was out there. Just back up and head down that side trail. We were just down there. I know, but if we slip down alongside that creek, we can get back onto the main path. Now at the moment, I was assuming what we were encountering were some kids or drunks out there. So I said, it's a ways more, but it should allow us to get past them, so long as they don't circle back around. We managed to make it down to the creek, but whatever was out there with us was not letting us off that easy. As I look back on it, I think the folks who've had to contend with Sasquatch and Yetis might have had it a bit easier. A rock, at least, is a single solid object. Even if we could have seen them, the rotting chunks of wood and stinking mud it tossed at us would have been all but impossible to dodge. Still thinking we were dealing with pranksters, we moved as calmly as we could back to the main gate. We'd almost made it all the way out when I got that sense again, that feeling like there was space up ahead that was filled by some living thing. There was no noise. We just knew something was there. We were certain of it. When we made it back onto the paved portion of the trail, the silent thing chuffed and we heard it turn. We didn't hear it walk off, though. It was smarter than that, and much quieter. Still thinking the night's events were the work of some inebriated jerk, I ventured back into the murk the next day. I went right back to where we'd had that log chunk tossed at us, and found the log shattered to bits around the tree it struck. It was bright out, so just a few clouds in the sky I'd left the wife back at the hotel. Given the events of the prior night, she was more than happy to watch some TV while her husband fumbled around out in the mud. I looked all around for footprints, something to validate our suspicions. After about half an hour, I found what I was looking for. Footprints, or at least what had been a footprint. They appeared to have been smeared to appear less noticeable. I followed in the general direction that the footprints seemed to be heading in. Thinking back on it, I realize now that chasing after this thing's tracks was not the brightest idea I've ever had. It did pay off, though. You see, it missed covering up a couple of tracks, and what lay there in the mud made my hair stand on end. A clear footprint, 
It was massive. Then there was another. After that, the land turned to water, and I lost the next tracks. This wasn't the work of some bored local. But whatever did come after us that night was intelligent. It took us several hours to get back home. We kept going over what had happened. What really nagged at me was the sheer scale of the Everglades. What if there was something else lurking out there? Eventually, we got home and I made my silly video. While we've shared it with a few folks, we didn't tell them what happened to us while we were making it. But like I said, I'm hunting cryptids as a hobby now, and I thought the people around here might enjoy hearing about some of the lesser-known monsters that have yet to be discovered. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We will never go camping there again. From Looking for Schwaggy. Every year our family gets together for a family camp. As we got older, we became accustomed to sleeping in a bed rather than a tent. We found this beautiful lodge deep in the BC Northern Mountains, and we would have the entire place to ourselves. Shortly after we arrived, I started noticing some odd occurrences, but summed it up to me being Bigfoot aware. I've had encounters in the past with what I believe to be those creatures, but I'll save that for another day. When my teenage son went out on the kayak, he came back telling me there was something moving around by the island. It sounded like he had startled something rather large. I asked if it could have been a deer, and he said no, it sounded nothing like a deer. He's an avid hunter, so I trusted his judgment. The first day carried on without much incident. Day two, my mom and husband take the boat and go fishing. They came back empty-handed, which is a rare occurrence for my husband. 
My dad has even joked that my husband could catch a fish if he dropped a line in a toilet. I asked about the fishing. They said they'd caught some, but when they gutted them, the insides were all rotten and full of worms somehow. Very strange for a mountain lake, but okay. We just wouldn't eat any fish on this trip. I mentioned to my husband that that was quite odd in my opinion, and we'd also not seen any birds or other typical animals. He did say he noticed, but didn't tell me, because I have a very active imagination of things that go bump in the night. Day 3 We decided to go for a walk up the road, mostly because all the kids were getting a bit wild. Walking along the road, there was a commotion up ahead. Quick, come see this, my husband called to me. There in the ditch was a huge single footprint. The road was dug into the mountain and was much lower than the forest beside it. I'm 5'11", and it was a bit taller than me. There was what looked to be a flattened part at the top, so my husband tried to climb up, but it was too soft. Whatever made that print got up there with one leap. The kids who we brought along with us were getting restless, so being a parent, I made the call to just leave the print behind. That night, the woods had a presence to them. It was like we were being watched. I didn't tell anyone since my sister was already on edge about bears and the sort. Day 4 I woke up early to try to take some cool photos of a few morning birds, if I could find any. I was excited when I spotted a few, but when they all stopped chirping at once, my heart seemed to stop and my ears opened up. I knew that meant something large was out there lurking about. This went on for some time. I could hear my husband moving about in the cabin. I began to listen, and I swear I heard something walking behind our cabin in the gravel. At first I thought it was my husband, that maybe there was a back door to the cabin I didn't see, and he was coming up to try to scare me. A trick he often enjoyed at my expense, but just then, my husband opened the cabin door up. Hey, are you just getting up? I asked. Well, yeah, he replies, a bit offended I'd be asking such things on holiday. I told him in a very hushed whisper that I'd just heard something walking around behind the cabin. So like the geniuses we were, we went out together to go look. But we didn't find anything. We started poking around in the outskirts of the tree line. We each went separate ways, trying to find something. I went left, and he went right. Before long, I started to get an uneasy feeling, that sensation of being watched, so I turned to head back to the safety of my husband. As I turned, I could see him, and I could see behind him this huge tree limb bouncing up and down like something was holding the limb down and watching and just letting it go. Now at the time it was not windy out at all, and only that one limb was moving. We met up and I told him what I saw, and we both thought it was pretty creepy. I said we should just head back in and make some coffee, and he agreed. As the day went on, at one point we were sitting on the deck of the main lodge, catching up, as families do. Across the lake, I saw this small white rectangle. I watched it for a while. 
Suddenly, it became a huge white rectangle. It was like a large flash of a camera, but in slow motion. It lasted about three seconds. I mumbled out, What in the world is that? My family asked what I was talking about, and I described it. They shrugged it off because I was just seeing things, and we carried on with our day. That night, we had a huge bonfire by the lake, and I couldn't really shake the feeling that we were being watched closely. With the darkness surrounding us on the moonless night, it was impossible to see anything that lay outside the glow of the campfire. Day 5 We sat on the deck again, when my sisters started to remark about some odd occurrences they've noted. Now, they're not Bigfoot believers, so I was especially intrigued to hear their stories. One sister stated that she kept seeing black shadow people outside her cabin window at night. Whenever she looked, they seemed to go back into the darkness. My mom got a little excited at this and exclaimed, I've seen those outside too. My husband then described this giant spiderweb that seemed to float through the air with little strands all around it. I tried to debunk it by saying it was probably a spider baby bomb. He's very persistent that no, he knows what that looks like, so it wasn't that. However, he couldn't quite explain what he saw exactly, but just that it looked like a floating mass that he could see through, and it had a defined outline. He was very serious, and I believed him. We all then discussed the weird feeling we were getting in the lodge, feeling watched, feeling like we had sea legs and we were queasy. At first, I thought maybe the people couldn't build a sturdy lodge, so maybe it was wobbling and we couldn't tell, causing us to get subtle motion sickness. But before long, we started to get the sensation outside, too. My brother, who remained silent for most of the time, eventually remarked, So you felt that, too. I just thought I was really high. We decided to change the subject and just enjoy our last night and our last day at the cabin. Day 6. I woke up early, because the bed was really not too comfortable, and I didn't want to waste any of the last day. I went outside the cabin, that feeling of being watched ever palpable. I sat on a stump and could hear knocks in the woods. There was a knock to my left, and one a bit farther to the right. Whatever was causing it, it was coming from two different things, and they seemed to be communicating. I then decided to go to the main washroom when I heard something inside the back room. I nearly soiled myself as the groundskeeper popped his head out and said good morning. I told him he nearly scared me to death, and we exchanged some pleasantries. I wasn't going to ask him about these strange happenings there, as I know how it sounds to other people. The day goes on without much happening aside from the dreaded feeling of being watched. Later on, we were all tidying up and packing up for the long drive home the next day. Me and my husband wanted to enjoy the day without packing, so we pushed it off until the evening. At the time, the kids were in the main lodge, hanging out with their cousins, playing some card games, so me and my husband finally went over to tidy up our cabin. 
We were loading the car up, and this horrible smell just comes out of nowhere. I walk over to my husband, who's half in the SUV, loading things. I told him, Really? Did you need to crap your pants inside the car? He chuckled and said he didn't do it. The smell was so strong and terrible. I asked, Are you sure about that? He looked me dead in the eye and said he didn't, and that he smelled nothing. I've been known to be able to smell a cow patty from two kilometers away, but still I was baffled that he couldn't smell this. As he sniffed the air, I was describing the smell to him. He said that doesn't really sound like his smell. Now married people can attest to knowing their spouse's odor. It's sad but true. Luckily, he finally gets wind of the smell too, and I see his eyes go huge. The air gets thick then, and we knew we weren't alone. I heard a branch snap from the left, a tree knock that was so close I could feel it in my bones. Thud, thud. We looked at each other, both knowing. We understood we had to get back to the main lodge. We quickly power walked to the others. We let mom know, but we didn't alert the kids. She told us to go let her sister know, because she was alone in her cabin with her kids. We all ended up sleeping in the lodge that night. There was this unsettling feeling in the air of being watched, and we didn't dare step out of the lodge until morning. I mentioned this strangeness to the owner in an email after we left, and he confessed that there have been many people who stayed there and either left early or stated that there was something in the woods that watched them. After all that, we opted for a less secluded camping spot the next year. Wendigo Encounter From Anonymous A few years back, I had an encounter that I could never forget. It was supposed to be a fun trip, but it turned into something darker. In late June, I decided to take a camping trip with my friend named Ava. She and I traveled about three hours from our hometown to a clearing in the midst of a thick forest. When we arrived, we immediately started to set up the tent and unpack our belongings. By the time we were done, it was already 6pm and the sun was starting to set. Ava and I ended up setting up a fire and some chairs and started to cook ourselves dinner. We roasted hot dogs over the fire and after that, marshmallows of course. We talked for a few hours, then decided we were both really tired, so we called it night. Sometime in the middle of the night, I was awakened by a loud noise. It sounded like pots and pans clinging together and falling to the ground. Apparently, this didn't wake up Ava, which didn't surprise me. She always slept like a rock. At first, I assumed it was just a deer or some other animal exploring our campsite. I made my way to the door of the tent to unzip it, and I checked what had made all the racket but I was stopped by an unearthly sound. The only way I can describe it is a car slamming on its brakes so hard that there's a screech. I jumped back from the tent opening, startled out of my mind. I was completely terrified because I had absolutely no idea what this thing outside of my tent was or what it wanted, but I had to find out 
what it could have been. Once again, I stepped towards the tent's door, and I began to unzip it. I tried to make as little noise as possible as I opened up that door. As I looked out, I saw nothing at first, until I looked over to the chairs. I saw something there that shook me to my very core. There was a figure there, a creature standing on two legs with incredibly long and thin limbs. It was covered in what looked to be a solid black coat of fur. Its head reminded me of a deer at first, but there was something off about it, something that I couldn't pinpoint. Then the creature let out another scream, much louder this time, forcing me back. I covered one ear with my hand, using the other to zip the tent back up. I crawled back next to Ava, who I saw was now awake, confused, and as terrified as I was. When the wail died down, before Ava could ask what was going on, that creature wailed again. We listened to it wail and walk around, before finally we could no longer hear it. By then, it was nearly dawn. When we felt we were safe, we packed up everything as quickly as possible, and we left, not looking back. Neither me nor Ava have been camping since, and I'm not planning on going back anytime soon. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails, and be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again.